Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So we are on week three of our of our extravagant generosity series so we will be completing it today it was short it was sweet hopefully it was painless I've had some really awesome testimonies of people talking to me saying hey I didn't understand what the tithe was I didn't understand what generosity looked like but we are not just going to talk about it we're going to be about it okay so today we're going to dig a little bit deeper we're going to shift gears a little bit but we're going to talk about you know personal finance so I always talk about personal finance last because I know that there, there is the real grind of the personal finance issue, right? You know, we can desire to give a tithe, we can desire to give offerings, we can desire to bless others, but if our personal finances are not managed well, it makes it really, really hard to bless others and to feel like your finances are a blessing versus a curse. You ever been there when finances are real, real bad? Or you're like, man, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to... Or, you know, you just got paid and it looks like you just didn't get paid. You ever had one of those? It's like out as soon as it gets in, you know, type deals. But there, there is a way to manage our personal finances that really help us be better stewards of what God has given us financially so that we can play the game of being a blessing, so that we can be involved in, in really giving in a capacity that I think really honors God and excites uh, God, and it really causes people to see kingdom impact, Okay. So uh, when we look at the definition of, of extravagant generosity, this is the last time you'll hear it, but this is, it, it, is, it is lacking restraint and giving more than necessary or expected while being kind and generous. We have to understand that's the heartbeat of it. It's giving more, it's giving, you know, and we've talked about that extravagant giving. When you receive something uh, that you didn't expect to get, I, man, I got some cookies on my front row from a sweet lady this morning. I wasn't expecting that. Man, that's extravagant giving. And she don't know how much Pastor Noe loves sweets. Come January, I'm going to have to cut some of that out. But it's December, so we're going to live it up. So, but th that's what I'm talking about, those moments of where you didn't expect it, and, and it's beyond, and it's like, wow, like, Man, that's just so thoughtful. That's considerate. That's, that's going beyond that what was expected. So when we think about our money, we need to see our finances as a test. Because if we see our finances as a test, how many of you know when you take a test, you can either do really well on the test or you can do really poor on the test? You know, my son just took a test and he said, hey, dad, I made a 75 and it's a benchmark. And I was like, is that good or that's bad? He goes, no, that's really good. I was like, 75s usually aren't good. Teachers, I guess you can vouch. I guess, is that a good thing? That's good. Okay. From, right there. So I know that's a good thing. I was like, 75, man, that's like a C in my mind. But benchmark, that's a good grade. So you're scored in life. And we know what test taking is. But do we see our finances as a test from God? Because if we don't know we're being tested, we probably won't study for it. You ever done that? How many of you haven't studied when you knew you were going to be tested? Right? That's scary. Like, you know you're going to be tested and you don't prepare at all. But when you know you are going to be tested, it's often wise to study for the test or to know what is going to be on the test. If you pay attention and you've studied and you've went to class, you know what's on the test. So, therefore, you should get a good grade. So, we have to see our finances as a test. So, the two areas that our test often focuses on is trust and stewardship. Okay, so do you trust God as your provider? So I'm going to kind of framework. I'm going to give you kind of a little quick sermonette until we get into some of the practical things. But do you trust God as your provider? 
Because we either do or we don't. We either are working by the sweat of our brow on our own, trying to make it ourselves, or we trust that God's provision is for a lifetime. Now, I'm not talking about like I'm living off the fat of the land my whole life, but I'm talking about like that I have my needs met, everything's provided for. You know, I'm not talking about the three-story house with two boats and four-wheel drive trucks. and all. I'm not talking about the excessive. I'm talking about as a provider that everything I really need and have need of is available to me. So, you know, Jehovah Jireh, that, that's, there's a song that's been going around, but that really says, God, our provider. When we say Jehovah Jireh, it's saying God, my provider. It is saying that God, it says Jehovah will actually, it says, and this is a cool way to look at it, he will see to it that it's taken care of. When we say that word Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, he will see to it that all my provision is taken care of. So this first time that we see this word Jehovah Jireh in, in passage is actually in Genesis 22, 13 through 14, where Abraham, you know, he, he's, he's taking his son. I'm just going to paraphrase the story, but he takes his son, he's, and, and God says, hey, take him, sacrifice him. But Abraham was convinced that God would provide an alternative sacrifice. So in that moment, Abraham was, was ready to, to sacrifice the offering, and it says that the Lord provided a ram, a sacrifice, as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And he said, Jehovah Jireh is what he was talking about. And so it says, and on that mountain, the Lord, it will be provided. So there has to be an understanding that God will either provide or he won't provide. God is either taking care of us or he is not taking care of us. Sometimes we, we work and we, and we strive and, and we try to, to excel in finances like we don't think God's got it under control. Well, Lord, let me help you a little bit. Let me, let me, you know, let me work, do extra work. Let me do all these things rather than just trusting in God's provision. So the second one, Romans 8, 28 through 32 so this is the passage where it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. How many of you have quoted that? Hey, he works for my good. He's taking care of it. He knows every detail. He knows what I have need of. He knows what I want for Christmas, even though my wife don't know what I want for Christmas. He knows all the details. And he's either going to take care of it or he's not. But it says that, you know, he works for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. I'm going to just go through this whole passage. Just listen to it. It's not up here, but listen. It says, those he predestined, he also conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What in the world is that? He took care of all of it. From beginning to end, he worked it all out. And it says, then what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Verse 32, it says, and he who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And he said, Pastor, no, we're talking about this all. When he said all, he meant all. That's finances, that's health, that's wealth, that's provision, that's all things. He takes care of all things. All of those things are important for God. So we have to trust God as our provider. Number two, we have to see our finances as a test from God. God is your source, and everything else is just a resource. This is a, this is a very popular uh, statement by Tony Evans. God is your source, and everything else is just a resource. Uh, the passage from Matthew 25, 15 through 30 in the NIV, this is the parable of, of where they are given talents, but those talents were actually bags of gold. 
You know, because the word talents, when I'm thinking, hey, he gave me one talent, five talents, ten talents, like, like guitar playing skills. Like, I mean, what, is, what are talents? When we look at the scripture, it's actually bags of gold. It says one was given ten, one was given five, one was given one. And it says they each received it according to their ability. But really what was happening here, God was testing them based on their ability. If I can't manage ten, Lord God, please don't give me ten. If you're a bad money person, man, learn how to manage one or five before God gives us ten. Help me, Lord, right? You know, if I can't manage one well, why would I want God to give me five or God to give me ten? But this was a test measured based on their ability. you got to realize God doesn't give you anything that he doesn't know that you can't handle. Some of you are frustrated because you ain't got a lot right now. Maybe we have not been faithful with the one. Maybe we have not been faithful with the five. So why would God give us more if we can't be faithful with what we got? So we look at that story, and when we look at that story, it says, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So with the one that had five bags, one that had two, and the one that had one, the one that had five multiplied it. And, he came, and when he came back and he said, hey, what have you done with what I've given you? The one that had five turned it into ten. The one that had two turned it into more. But there was one that was given one, and he didn't do anything with it. It actually says that he buried it because he was fearful of the outcome, and the, the outcome of that was not good. He actually said, you lazy, useless servant. So he actually takes the one. You know, you're like, man, God sure is mean. But if you'd have been a good steward of the one, that would not have happened. But he said he took the one, and he says, give the one and actually give it to the one that has ten. Now, when I hear this illustration in this parable, you know, it confuses me. He's like, why did that guy need 11 now? He already had 10. But it's because God knew that he'd be faithful. That's what it came, to, that's what it came down to. It came down to passing the test, doing really, really well. Someone who was well prepared that, that used what God gave him and multiplied it. That's what finances are all about. They are a test from God. You are to use your finances, not to be used by your finances. You got to realize that. You know, we always think, man, our, our finances are in so much control of us. Well, you know, if you get into debt, then yeah, you're stuck like Chuck. <laughs> but if you're careful in how you manage and use your finances, God will multiply that. Luke 16:10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. That's straight from the Bible. That's not judging you. That's not telling you what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. This is straight from the Word that says, If you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with a lot. But let me tell you what, God often trusts you with a little bit before He trusts you with a whole lot. You either do well or you, or you fail. We don't see it like that, right? We didn't, we didn't think we were going to have to, you know, the, the thing about this story, they knew that he was going to come back. They knew they were going to be accountable for what they did or didn't do. Most of us are living like we're not going to give an account before God. Now, we talk about salvation. Well, either I knew Jesus or I didn't know Jesus. We're pretty set on that, but we don't have an understanding that we also potentially, based on this, may give an account for our financial provision. What did you do or not do with what I've given you? Now, sadly, there are some generous people that are of a worldly descent, not even in the church, that are more generous than church people. And I believe there's a principle of sowing and reaping, that there can still be a natural order that God has established for those people in the world. 
Man, but as the church, we have to understand the principle of sowing and reaping and that everything is a test and that money is a test. Now, some, some of you right now in the room, you're squirming because you're like, Pastor Noe, if you knew how I manage my finances, I would fail the test. This morning, I am here to help you, hopefully, God willing, help you make at least a few changes in your finances. Let me tell you what, if everything you hear today, if you do absolutely nothing, you will leave the same way you came, and a year from now, you will be in the same position, if not worse. Finances are, are a funny thing that if you change the practices and you change what you do, you can change the outcome. If you keep doing what you're already doing, your financial position is probably going to be exactly the same. Well, I just keep spending. I don't know why I can't save. I just can't stop spending. I don't know why I can't save. Well, somebody's got to hit the brake on the spending. Right? You've got to change something. So this morning, choose to trust God for everything you need, your dependence on him. See God as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Number two, choose to manage or steward your finances well because it brings honor to God. Do you know it blesses God and it blesses people and it gives him a good name when the people of God are richly blessed in handling their finances in a way that honors him? It is not God's plan for his people to be dirt poor. You know, and I don't know where that came from, like, hey, when you counted the cost, when you just choose to follow Jesus, you know, why would he not provide resources to expand his kingdom? I'm not talking about buying boats. Like, you got to understand, what am I talking about? That Why financial provision for what? So that all the nations of the world may know Jesus and hear the gospel. That the gospel may go forth. That the churches may expand. You know, we talk about as a church, why would we do two services? Isn't that going to be impersonal? Isn't that going to be inconvenient? Yeah, but if more people hear about Jesus, then it's worth it. We've got to understand, what's the goal? What's the agenda? What's the point? You know, think about church planning. All of these things. Why do we do that? Why Can't we just be comfortable with our own church, with just us? You know, and there, there's many churches that are, are set that, well... You know, if my church is small, maybe that's all God's given me. And, you know, maybe that's the extent of what God has called the church to do. And, you know, and, and me as a pastor, I hear him just that contentment of saying, well, you know, I'm just going to be faithful with what I got. So you're telling me that God is going to limit your reach as a pastor and not try to reach all of the lost? And you're content just staying small? Hmm. I think God's kingdom is about growth. I think God's kingdom is about expanding. You know, I think anything healthy, guess what? It's going to grow. How many of you know weeds grow too? <laughs> right? It stays put long enough, it's going to grow. So we believe that, you know, at Harvest Time Church, that God is wanting us to expand. He's wanting to provide. He's wanting to do all of these things so that his kingdom may be advanced. But how many of you know it has to start with us? It has to start with me. You know, it has to start with us contributing, us getting our finances in order. You know, it's one thing to preach it. It's another thing to live it. Now, let me tell you, everything I'm going to unpack to you, there is nothing that I'm sharing with you that my wife and I do not practice to the T. Now, am I a millionaire? Not yet, Lord. <laughs> but I will steward well everything I have. And that I might see increase, that I might be able to do more in the kingdom than I ever have. So let's look at a few of these things. So uh, we know when we talk about money management, there's often two types of people. We have people who are savers, and we have people who are spenders. Where are my savers at? Where are my spenders at? Man, if a wife raised one hand and the husband raised the other hand, we are in a world of hurt. 
That's called, we got some management to do, right? So we know that we have spenders and we have savers. Those who always save and those who always spend or those who always spend and those who always save. So we have to realize that all of these principles that I'm going to share with you, they're wrapped around the biblical tithe, which we learned from last week is what? 10%. 10% of all of your increase. So financial biblical principles only work when they're applied. So think about weightlifting just for a minute. You can buy a weight and set it on the ground and look at it all day and it's going to do nothing till you pick it up. How many of you know that? Amen. How many of you have weights at your house like that? So one day I'm going to get my swole on, I'm going to pick up that weight. If, if, you do, if you don't pick up the weight, it never does anything for you. It's just like that with finances. You can talk about it. You can have good intentions. You can want to change your financial condition. But until you do the work and you change something and you do something and you make a choice, it's going to just kind of free will. You know, how many of you drive with your hands off the steering wheel? That's kind of dumb, right? But let me tell you what. Some of you are driving your finances that way. You're like, Lord, help me. And you throw your hands in the air. Oh, what are you doing? Get your hands on the steering wheel. You've got to be in control of what you're doing. Many people are going to blame other people for their financial condition, but guess what? You spend your own money. Do I spend your money? You spend your, now you might be pointing, if you just nudged your husband or your wife, we've got some more work to do. This guy, if he, oh, hey, we've got to get on the same page with that. But we can't drive, just as reckless and as chaotic as it would be driving a vehicle down the freeway with no hands is the equivalent of trying to manage our finances with our hands off of it. But some of us, we've never been taught. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to manage our finances. We're trying to figure it out. And just like we focus on things that we need to improve in, things we need to grow in, finances are a big thing. How many, how many of you, if your finances turned around and you had more finances than you knew what to do with, would really help and bless your life? Anybody? So all y'all are good. Okay. I'd help you, right? All right. So you have to do your part. You have to put in some effort. You have to do something. You got that? Not right here. You got that? If somebody's already asleep, man, you got to get them up. They got to hear this. It's going to be a lot of practical things in there. Nobody's sleeping, I don't think. I didn't look that hard. <laughs> All right. So one question I have to ask my, that I've always often asked myself, I kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit last week, but I've always asked the question, Lord, why for some people is it so hard to give to God and then have enough left over to bless others? You know, and this is actually something I prayed about. You know, I couldn't find it in the scripture. I just said, Lord, you know, I need your, your revelation of why is it such a burden for people to give? You know, why, why are people struggling to walk up and give the 10% God that you expect from us? And this is when God gave me the revelation. No, it has nothing to do with the 10%. It has everything to do with the 90%. If people learn to manage the 90%, it causes the 10% to be a blessing when you give it. You know, I can say confidently, my wife and I, it has been a long, long time since it has been kind of a burden to give the tithe. We just do it. Like, we just give it. There's no, there's not any, but we manage the 90. We don't do it as strict as we should have because we've gotten to a place where we're 100% debt-free. We own everything. So you can be a little more careless, a little more reckless, but, you know, if you're in debt up to your throat, if, you, you know, you don't know what to do, if, you're, if your money's flying out every window and you're like, I don't know what to do, you can't do that. You know, it's like, how many of you are good bowlers? How many of you are bumper bowlers? You know, Samuel the other day was competing against his sister, and his sister was beating him because she was using bumpers. She went to the, he went to the table, hey, can you turn the bumpers on for me? <laughs> bumpers are not a bad thing if it causes you to hit the mark. 
but we should get disciplined and good enough of doing the same thing because you still got to throw the ball, right? You can't just sit there, oh, I'm not going to throw the ball. You're not going to hit anything. You have to throw the ball, but if you keep doing it, you keep doing it. And efficiency, say, you know what, let's take the bumpers off. And then maybe it's only one gutter and then five, you hit the pins, and then you start getting better at what we're doing. That's what finances are all about. Hopefully we get better at what we're doing to where we don't need as much assistance. But right now, we might need some bumpers in place. So we got to deal with the 90%. So in order for the 10% to be a blessing to give, you have to get the 90 under control. Um, so I hope if you only take, have one takeaway from this whole message is that you realize that finances are a test and you are to steward them well. And you say, well, what do I do with that? Even if I know that, ask God to help you. You know, we pray about everything. Sometimes we don't pray for direction in how to manage finances. God's in the money business. He knows what to do. Just like he'll give us wisdom on raising kids or how to, how to get along with our spouse, he has some good insight on how to manage finances. But we got to ask him. All right? So let's look at this passage one more time from last week, Luke 6, 38. It says, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So you really get what you give. Uh, the, the two key words, they're two action words in this passage, but it says give and use. You can't do anything, either of those, by sitting on your wallet. You got to get the card out. You got to sw- You got. You got You have to either. It's an action. You got to. Does that, It's an action word. It's like, well, you know, Pastor Noah, I got to do something. Yeah, you got to do something. You got to get in the game. So we have to realize money is something that God wants you to use as a tool to your advantage. Have you ever done something the hard way with the wrong tool, and then you get the right tool, and the job's easier? You ever done that? You, I guess you go. If you haven't, you always got the right tool. But I mean. I remember when we were, we were missionaries in Africa where, man, it's like we never had the right tool. It's like, well, go get that right there and get that screwdriver and knock that piece. It's like, man, busting my knuckles, it ain't working. I said, all I need is like an 8-pound, 10-pound sledgehammer. But we ain't got that because we're in Africa. Wrong tool for the wrong job. Right? You know, if I have the right tool for the right job, it's a lot more efficient. It just works well. So that's, that's, you have to use your money. You have, to, you have to see your money as a tool. So realize this, that money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the Bible. Oh, is that important? Money is mentioned more than 800 times, and the message is very clear. Nowhere in Scripture is debt viewed in a positive way. Now, I've heard a lot of different people. I've been around a lot of different people. Some people say, well, I can't take it with me. I might as well live it up while I'm alive. Heard that one? Right? Or, well, I ain't got to pay it back. I'm just, or, hey, I'm just going to live in debt forever. I'm always going to have debt. Not true. You can live like that and be in debt your whole life, or you can be debt-free. It's up to you. But I don't think people realize that. They always think, well, I'm always going to be paying on something. I'm always going to have a bill to pay. Now, you're going to have bills, But what I'm going to talk about is excessive debt, things that will really just shackle you and won't allow you to be free in your finances. Um, Finances affect us in so many ways, it really would be ignorant not to manage the money well. So how we manage our finances is revealed by how we spend it, okay? So some of you say, well, I manage my money great. (laughs) If you were to look at your bank account right now and it's like kind of close to zero, and you got a week, two weeks, three weeks till payday, you might not be managing it very well or you're overspending. But how we spend it, that, that's how we manage our money. So this is the formula that I practice when managing money. You ready for it? You ready? All right, so I give, I save, and then I spend. 
All right, let's break it down a little bit more. So, so there's a 10%, there's a 10%, and there's an 80%. All right, so now we're going to put these in a category. So I tithe, I give 10%. Hmm, okay, now what? Then I save 10%, and then I spend 80%. That's my own system of how I work it out, how I figure out that it works best. And um, I know that this morning some of you are saying, Pastor Noe, first you're telling me to tithe, and I'm barely making it. Now you're asking me to save, and I'm barely making it. I can't live on 100% right now. I believe God wants to change that. Amen. He does not want that to be the case. So we really, we give, we save, we spend in that specific order. Because if I spend first, I don't give God what's his. If I don't save, when something happens, I'll be like, well, now what? Guess I can't get my tithe, Pastor. Water heater just went out. That's why I save. Right, So it's, saving is not, not trusting in God. It's being smart with smart money management. Okay? All right. So when we look at that, let's, let's spend a little bit of time. I'm going to look at each of those. We're going to look at giving. We're going to look at saving. And we're going to look at spending. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on giving because I feel like last week sufficed. You can go back on our podcast and look at that and listen to that talking about the tithe. But when we give, I want to give God his money first because I believe that it blesses and it covers the rest. Pull from the top of the barrel. That's what activates your faith. If you wait till the end of the month to make sure everything's paid and then you say, okay, Lord, man, sorry, God, I only got 6% left. Man, shortchanging God. And we read last week, we know what happens when we shortchange God. But when we give God what's his, he commands a blessing on our finances. He causes all the rest to be stretched. You guys remember that Stretch Armstrong, Stretch Armstrong doll? I think you bring that back. My kids would break it in half. But it'd be super cool. I believe that that's what happens to our finances when we give first. It causes flex and it causes stretch where our finances will go a little bit further uh, than we need them to. But it says bring the whole tithe. Listen, like I said, listen to last week's message if you missed it. Um, there are two categories of people. There's givers who say, uh, man, I can't afford not to give. But then there's, there, there's these, the other side that says, you know, I can't afford to give. So those who tithe say, I can't afford not to give. But those who never tithe are stuck in this mindset. Oh, I can't afford to give, Pastor Noah, you don't understand. Trust me, you can't afford not to give. All right, so Malachi 3.10. So when we give our tithes and our offerings, this is the requirement. It says, this is what his promise is. Like I said, I'm not going to drag this, but I want you to be caught up to speed if you weren't here last week. It says, see if I will not throw open the windows, uh, open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room uh, to, for you to store it. Come on, Jesus. Take some of that. Man, I can't contain it. Be like, hey, come get some of this. Right? Man, think about that. So that's a whole different mentality. That is not poor mentality. That's called blessed mentality. When we do what God says do and we give first, he provides enough. All right, so let's, um, let's jump to the next one. How about saving? So how do we get to a place where it is a blessing to give to the Lord and to save money also? And, and like I said, some of you are like, Pastor Noah, man, 10% here, 10% there. You're killing me, Smalls. This is for your benefit. Right? If your finances get all in shape and next year you're like, Pastor Noe, we made a few adjustments. We made a few changes. Pastor, it changed my life. Man, praise God. I want you to be blessed. I want you to manage those finances well. So, you know, so what do we do? So to be able to give and save, you can't spend your money recklessly and expect there to be plenty left over. You know, um, <laughs> my, during Christmas time, sometimes it gets out of control. 
You know, uh, we, had, we had the blessing and the privilege to fill, out, fill up one of these boxes to send to Mexico. So we sponsor boxes to send to, to the orphanage in Mexico. Well, I said, Epi, I want one this year. Man, I just loaded that thing up. Man, when I got to the checkout, whew, Pastor Noe almost went in debt. I'm just playing. I didn't go in debt, but, man, I spent a lot. But you know what? I didn't care how much I spent. You know how I, you know how I packed that box? I said, what would I get from my kids? Man, that's cool. Man, I'd love that. They'd love that. Man, I'm not going to, because we won't shortchange our kids, right? I treated that box just like they were my own kid. And Becky's like, it ain't all going to fit. I said, oh, I I worked for UPS for two years. We're going to make it fit. (laughs) Now, I got a bear tied on the top of the box, but the box is full. But, you know, just giving, blessing, being able to do all of these things. But we can't spend our money recklessly all the time. Pastor Noe knows what I had to spend. It's not like I was like, well, I'm in debt now. That was a great kingdom investment. Never. There's certain rules in place that don't allow me to get into debt. And that's what saving does. When we save, we don't get into debt. If we don't save, that's what drives us into debt. Because you have to realize that in a moment's notice, a catastrophic something can happen. Amen? You ever been there? So if you don't have a savings cushion, guess what? I either got to take out a loan. I got to put on the credit card, got to borrow it from somebody, and guess what? Now I'm in debt. So we have to plan to save when things are going good, not when things are bad. Now, I call this the save for a rainy day fund. You have to, you have to do that. How many, how many in this room have all had something unexpected, unplanned happen to you? Raise your hand high. If you ain't raising your hand, you're lying. It happens to everyone. I think the statistic is like every 10 to 12 months, somebody has something catastrophic happen, and if you don't have the finances or the resources available, you're going to go into debt. So savings is what changes that. So you, ha- you, can't, you can't spend your money recklessly and expect to have plenty of leftovers. Money management requires discipline and consistency. You say, Pastor Noe, my finances ain't worth a lick. That's because we're probably lack of discipline and lack of consistency. So hear me out on this. God desires us to surrender 100% of our finances to him uh, so that our giving and saving will be achievable. Now, I'm not saying give 100% to the church. I'm saying trust God with all of it. Don't say, okay, God, 10% is yours. Okay, 10% is for the the owe me fund. And then the 80%, Lord, I'm going to do whatever I want with it. It's mine. Don't do that. Say, Lord, the 80%, help me figure out what that is all about. Lord, help me see all of the 100% as yours. Because if, you, if, you're, if your finances are all kinds of messed up this morning, you need that. You say, Lord, huh, here's every chess piece I got. You might be just playing with some pawns this morning. But God can work miracles with those pawns if you surrender them to him. God can get you out of the pit. He's, he, he's a deliverer kind of God. But he needs you to, to trust in him and, and have your dependence on him. But one of the biggest problems to growing financial wealth is excessive debt. I'm going to spend some time talking about that. Debt works like a hole in the bucket. It's impossible to keep it filled. It doesn't matter if you keep throwing it in there, keep throwing it. You're like, man, I worked overtime. I worked more time. Hey, my wife picked up another job. Debt is like a hole in the bucket. What would make more sense? Plug the bucket, right? Remove the debt. Don't allow excessive debt to be the hole in the bucket that regardless how much you're throwing, you're like, I just can't catch a break. You know, so that's one thing I always ask if I'm talking to somebody or I'm counseling somebody about finances and they're like, I just can't make enough money. I feel like I need to get a second job or I need to make more money. I'm going to ask you how much debt you have. 
Now, you don't like to, well, you know, Pastor, I'd like to have some good stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Like that hole in the bucket, don't you? That's what excessive debt will do. All right? So realizing that you have to get your debt under control uh, in order to be able to save and enjoy our spending. So saving provides you with a safety net that when something unplanned happens, your car breaks down, tree falls on your house, maybe an unexpected medical issue, that you're able to pay it. So Proverbs 22.7, it says, the, rule, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant, or another translation, is slave to the lender. It says, do not be a slave to the lender. As long as we owe someone money, we are considered by Scripture to be their slave. You're like, I own my house. No, they, no you don't. TDECU does. I own my car. Nope, Prosperity Bank owns your car. Until you hold the deed and you own it, you are a slave to the lender. Now, that's, that's okay if it's like just a mortgage. So, so hear me. I'm not talking about like, man, well, I got just a mortgage, Pastor. No, if that is the only debt you got, praise God. What I'm talking about is credit card debt or loans from JCPenney, and you got all these. Anytime a credit card comes in, man, they approve me for $10,000, and you sign up, and you got, you got credit line out of the wazoo and you got debt credit card debt out of the wazoo and you're like yeah man i you know i've heard of people they can't even keep track with who they owe who what they got so many credit cards so many different money going in so many different directions they don't know who they owe like i just pastor no i can't i just i owe this one this much and this one here and i took out a loan here and if we save anytime something major happens we just pay out of our savings imagine that now, home mortgages, that's a lot of money, right? Vehicles nowadays, <laughs> that's a lot of money, right? It, it, but it, it requires saving. It requires diligent. But those who diligently save become the lender versus a slave to the lender. Excessive debt is the root cause for making giving and, and saving so difficult. But the only way to remove debt and give like God encourages us to give is save and get your finances in order. So do you know right now the average American has $5,525 in credit card debt? The average American. You're like, well, I don't. Good. You're pulling the number down. But based on a statistic, the average is that much per person. But the average credit card rate is 25.5% for you to borrow that money on that credit card. And you thought a credit card was a good idea. It's not. Credit card companies are out to get you. You put enough money on there, even making the minimum payment, the interest outweighs the minimum payment, and you will never pay off that credit card. I'm not going to ask who has credit cards. But if you just pay the minimum, and you've borrowed an, a ton of money on that credit card, and you are paying the minimum, you will never get out. You became a lifetime member of MasterCard. Just do the math. And if you if pay attention to your statements, you're like, wow, I've been paying the minimum, and it keeps going up. It doesn't make sense. It's that 25.5% on that money that you put on the credit card that killed you. If you need to do something, take out a loan. Mortgage rates are super cheap right now. You can refinance your home. You can bring all those percentages down. Look at what the percentage is on borrowing that money every single time. I was trying to explain to my daughter, baby, before you borrow any money, let me look at it first. And I was trying to tell her about the percentages and that when you borrow money, you're borrowing it, but you pay it back with interest. And she was looking, shaking her head like this, and then she just said, Daddy, I'm just going to let you know when I need to borrow money. I said, all right, baby. <laughs> because let me tell you what, when you sign that line, when you charge that card, it's gone. You know, my kids don't understand. They see Visa come out, and they're like, man, we, Visa's our best friend. 
They don't understand. That's tied to my card, and every time I do that, the money's gone. Right? We got to be careful. But that's the average. That's the average credit card rate. So how do I start saving, Pastor Noe? So at the beginning of the week, save a little bit, set a little bit aside. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 in the New Living Translation says, On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. So this was, they, were, they were trying to collect money for the poverty, for those you know, in famine. But this is the system they use. They set a little bit aside every single week. Now, how many of you have ever tried to like, write a big check all of a sudden? That's painful. But if you set it aside, out of sight, out of mind, and you save in increments, it adds up. And you're like, well, I only got 10 bucks a week I can do. Well, if there's four weeks, that's $40. Or if there's five weeks, that's $50 at the end of the month. And if you ain't got nothing right now, that's $50 more than you had. Keep doing the math. If you got $50 every single month times 12 months, what do you have at the end of the year? 600 Right? So now you got 600 at the end of the year, and you didn't have nothing, but that was only $50 a month that you didn't think mattered. Right? Do that for 10 years, now you got $6,000. Man, I love math, especially when it works in my favor. It all matters. It all adds up. There's no insignificant amount. Don't, make, don't, don't feel like you're going to look down on because you're saving just a smaller amount than somebody else. At least you're saving. Maybe they're, you're saving and they're not. Saving will get you out of debt, all right? But you got to save. So we got to do it in small increments. Those small increments, they add up. Uh, I'll tell you what, all the Netflix and Hulu and all your subscriptions, add up your subscriptions. Man, it's a lot. You're like, oh, it's 15 bucks there, oh, it's 5 bucks there, 20 bucks there. It's like, man, you got a full dish subscription after you're done, Right? Pay attention to the details. So the goal is, what do we do? We start where we're at. You know, if it's $10, start with $10. If it's $20, it's $20. If it's $100, it's $100. Whatever works for you. So it's not a set amount of money we set aside, but, it, you know, it, it's just starting somewhere. But let me tell you what, out of sight, out of mind is a really good rule. Don't keep your saving in your checking account because then you don't know where your checking account ends and your saving account starts. Get that money in a separate account. And then when you put your savings in a separate account, make sure you determine what is an emergency. Got me? What is an emergency? What is not an emergency? When you get an opportunity to buy an awesome guitar at a very good price, that is not an emergency, Pastor Noe. Man, I've been tempted sometimes. Like, ooh. I've been te- these guys have been teasing me. I've been talking to my wife about getting a Helix. It's one of these floor pedals. Man, I saw a great deal on one the other day. I should have pulled the trigger. I didn't. I could have pulled that out of my savings, but it didn't meet the rule. So if I don't have it in my checking, it's a no-go in my finances because that's really an unplanned expense, right? How many of you are in-cap shoppers? Oh, I need one of those, and man, I never knew I needed one of those. (laughs) These guys are not your friend, and you'll you'll leave the store, and you got hundreds of dollars. I can't can't go to H-E-B or Walmart for less than $100 anymore. It don't matter even if I shopped on the shop. What I, it's 100 bucks every single time. But let's say there was a few impulse buys. Like, man, that's a nice, nice knife set. Man, that's something I never needed, but I, now I need it. I didn't realize I needed it. And you just throw it in there. You got to realize credit card companies, all of these marketing deals. I, I was at Walmart buying, buying a little adapter, and so he knew I had an iPhone. He's like, hey, sir, what iPhone you got? And I was like, well, you know, whatever. You know, I was talking to him. He's like, we got a great deal. And, like, you know, he's trying to convince me how much he's, well, they're usually like 1200 bucks. 
for a cell phone. So this one, I, have only, I haven't had it that long, but this is paid for. So he's trying to explain to me how it's so beneficial, and he says, well, you know, you only got to pay the taxes right now, and I can roll that into your payments. And, and he's like, well, how much are your payments on your phone? It was, it's, we try to be really frugal and super cheap and all those things, and he's like, oh, that's a pretty good deal. I was like, yeah, dummy, I'm not going to buy your phone and go into because I'm looking at the cost of it because I'm going to pay for the phone any way they cut it. I don't need a phone. It'll do, the new phone will do everything I need. This, you know, they're going to do the exact same thing, right, unless it starts doing the work for me. I mean, there's no perk in me getting a better phone. But we can get sucked into the system that is not a saving-type system. It is a debt-driven, impulse-buy, get it now, you only live once. YOLO, you only live once. Get it now. Man, you, your, your parents didn't get that, but you can have it right now. You can get it, on, you can get it with zero down. We'll bill you later. Man, don't do that either. They're going to hammer you with that 25% bill. You, man, make you pay for the rest of the year. It's no, there's nothing free. Some of this stuff helping you, man, if, if, you, if you took the bait, I'm sorry. Like, don't, don't keep doing it. You got to learn, right? You got to get your hands back on the wheel. You got to begin to navigate through these things. Don't just throw your hands and say, well, Pastor Noe, they just told me it was a great deal and I took their word for it. Don't keep doing that. The goal is not what you've done previous to now. The goal is what what have you done up to this point and what are you going to change as you go forward? All right? So keep your savings out of sight, out of mind. I put mine in a money market. Now, it's not gaining tons of interest, but it has gained interest over time. But to get to my savings, I actually have to write a check, and I don't even see it unless I log in somewhere else. And I've determined what that needs to be, what that emergency savings amount is. And I'll tell you what, that has been a blessing to us because if something happens, guess what? I don't freak out yet. I got some time before I freak out. If we don't have savings, all of a sudden we just go into panic, spasm mode. Like, oh, no, what do I do now? I don't have anything and I'm not. Let's say we get laid off. Let's say something happens. Let's say we got to pay a deductible right now and you don't have that money. That's a problem. You need to be able to pay all your, whatever your deductible is. It needs to be at least that amount. Yeah, you know, you got you to think of how much is enough. Now, statistics say anywhere from three to six months of your income. Now, there's a little bit of flex there because I'll tell you what, if Noe all of a sudden hits a hard spot, I'm not going to be living like I was living up to that point. My kids are going to get a baloney revolution. <laughs> I don't even know baloney is, Dad. Oh, you're going to learn. I'll get some cheese on there too. It's gonna, we're going to cut everything. Shut off the phone, turn off, hey, come find me if you need me. Everything, shut it all down. So I'm going to drastically change all of the luxury stuff. So I think there is some wiggle room there. Like if you, if you, if you get, fall on a hard time, you're not going to, I mean, if you do, you ain't going to last long, but that's where that number is, you know, three to six months of your, what it costs to live, but there's some balance in that because you're going to cut, you ain't going to be buying all the extras. You just, I mean, if you do, it's not good, all right? So three months of saving. So also know that if you are trying to save and pay off debt, don't beat yourself up because paying off debt will allow, you know, debt will allow you to put Paying off that debt will allow you to put more in savings later. But if you're working through debt, paying off debt, don't kill yourself. Say, man, I can only put 50 bucks towards this and 50 bucks towards my debt. Hey, that is a win. Because the moment you get out of that debt, guess what? You roll all of that money that's going to debt into savings, and all of a sudden you see this snowball effect. We're like, wow, I got savings now. I didn't realize I could do that because we're spending all of our money in the debt category, okay? All right, so we have to realize that, that, that huge debt really busts up our savings plan so we have to give we have to save and then to the funnest part we get to spend so 
Let's look at that for just a minute because that's really a big part of uh, where we either fly or die. So what are your spending habits? Do you know where all your money goes every single month? Now, let me give you a freebie this morning. Just because you can afford it doesn't always mean you should buy it. Amen. You're like, well, I can afford it, Pastor Noe. That's great. <laughs> you keep buying all the things that you can afford now, you're going to be broke later. You have to count the cost. You have to look at what's upcoming. You have to plan ahead. You have to be the adult in your household. You cannot live out all your childhood fantasies of like, ooh, I got money and I can buy what I want now, and you, you're spending like a child. If my, if my kids could spend all my money and not work for any of it, it'd look crazy, right? But if we're doing that, we've got to be careful. We have to be, we have to be the responsible adults. You know, it was funny when we did, we did mission trips and different things like that. The first time, Becky and I didn't have chaperones or leaders in the group. And we were like, it was me and a few other couples. We were all by ourselves, and we're like, hey, uh, who are the adults? And they looked at us, but we're 24 and 25. And the reality of, we are the adults now. You got to be an adult now. You got to be responsible for your finances. You got to be in charge of you, okay? All right. But if you, just because you can afford it doesn't mean that you should buy it. So if your answer is, I really don't know where all my money goes, the first thing you have to do is figure out where your money is being spent. So how do I do this, Pastor Noe? Get a little cheap dollar notepad. You're going you're gonna to hate it, but you, it's going to help you. Write down every single thing you buy. I'm talking about a bag of ice, Snickers, ice cream, all the little things, anything you buy, and write it down. And on each paper, say, hey, this is just snack. Snack, 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 whatever. I mean, I don't know what it looks like for you. Um, fun stuff. Write your bills. You know, you're, you're, but, when you, but if you go the whole month and you write it down, then get all of that information and look at it. It will surprise you of where your money goes. But if you don't know where that is, you need to know where that is. Now, some of you know where that money goes, and you do not want to track every expense because now you're held accountable to what you're spending that money on. If you are a Starbucks fanatic... Oh, that's not some cheap coffee. Right? So we just need to track every single expense. If you've never done that, that's one thing you need to do like now. If your finances are out of control, you don't know where the money's going, track every single expense for one month. If after one month you're like, man, it's still kind of cloudy. I'm not sure where they're going. It's still, I can't really tell because there's pretty good balance there, but you want to really grip down, grit down on your finances a little bit better, do it for another month. And then look at one month and the other month, kind of compare them. Look at percentages, see where your money's going. Uh, you should know baseline what your base bills are. If you don't know that, you're like, I don't know. I just pay them. They auto-draft out of my account. How much of your paycheck is going towards that? Uh -huh. It's time to be the adult. You've got to look at it. You've got to pay attention to it. But you've got to get a game plan. You've got to know where are you spending all your money. Um, so, like I said, some of you know where that's being spent. You just don't want to tell your wife or you don't want to tell your husband and you don't want to look at it. That's not going to fix your problem. you got to look at it. So having more money is not always the answer to financial issues. Sometimes we can got, get caught in the trap of chasing after money. This is called the love of money. 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. evil. Listen to this passage. It says, Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And that is a strong passage. Eager for money, they have wandered, they have lost their faith, and they have pierced themselves with many griefs. That is what debt is. You have pierced yourself with all of these things. Like, why do I have to do it? You did it. You chose it. 
You, you decided to do that. I hope today it's just kind of one of those eye-openers for you. I'm not here to bust you up and say, okay, what's your debt ratio and blah, blah, blah. And blah. But I hope you're paying attention to it and you're like, wow, that got my attention. Right? So one, one other thing. So couples, you have to be united in your spending habits. You know, I kind of joked earlier, hey, who are the savers? Who are the spenders? Like if one is a saver and one is a spender, you got some work to do. Because if you're not both savers, somebody's got to be a saver. Now, if both of you are spenders, that's almost worse than a divided house because you're all going to spend all your money. you be like, where'd all the money go? I don't know, but at least we both spent it. <laughs> Nobody cares about the savings. You're like, man, well, I thought I just got paid. You did. We did. Awesome. So we got to get on the same page. So now there, there's this, I've seen couples that have divided accounts. It's like, hey, this is your money. This is my money. Me and Becky, we don't play like that. We throw all of it in the same pot. We are open. We are honest. We have it, and we believe that putting it together, we can collectively do more with it than if we're saying, oh, well, this is mine, this is yours. And it also adds accountability to your finances. Huh, real quiet. Don't do that. Man, when you got married, you got together, hey, what God has put together, let no one separate. Your money, your finances, your spending habits should be in the same direction, should be focusing on the same thing. Um, you know, don't split up your money. Keep it all in the same thing. So if you're going to be successful in your, as a fin in your finances as a couple, you have to have the same financial goals. So sit down and talk about it. If you don't know what your financial goals are, <laughs> it's time to be an adult today. Think about it. Like, you know, we, have, we work for a lifetime. We're, we're, we're hopefully accumulating more financial resources than we ever have or the ability that we ever have. You know, I remember when I was young working at the pawn shop or cutting grass for like 10 bucks. Man, I'm making so much more. So there's so much more resource available now. I hope I have a clearer plan of what I want to use my money for now than I ever have. Right? So sit down and say, hey, what are our financial goals? If both of you shrug your shoulders, hey, set up a meeting with me. Maybe I can help you say, hey, here's some of the things. What are we, and, and maybe I can help you. You know, I've been praying as a church, I really want to do like a financial peace university. It's a Dave Ramsey financial training. So Becky and I went through that years ago, and it really got us to the place we are today. Now, we paid attention to that before we really dug a deep, 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 deep hole, right? We started paying attention to, hey, we didn't want to be in debt. We didn't want to pay, you know, we didn't want to pay that much for a house. We didn't want to pay that much for a car. We started looking at the amounts. So that's so much money. Uh, but we had the same financial goals. We had the same uh, things that we were focusing on. But it took discipline. It took hard work. But Becky and I, we had a plan to get completely debt-free. That wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. Now, I've told some of you that, you know, uh, when I married her, she had, she had uh, college debt. And so we had to work through that. What, my, what was hers became mine. What mine was hers. And was that fun to pay off? I almost felt like, well, that was your college debt. You should have paid it off. Mine was paid off. And then she's like, well, your grandma paid for yours or whatever, whatever however that works out. Like, what's mine is yours and yours is mine. It don't matter how it shakes out. That was the reality. So her debt became my debt. But I couldn't be mean and say, well, you better learn how to pay for that. That's your debt. Uh-uh. You got to squash all that. So we said, Lord, how do we do this? How do we pour? And I'm talking about we weren't making hardly anything then. So it was like this mountain of debt. And we're like, okay, Lord, how do we do it? So we just started paying it, paying it. So when income taxes started coming in. I think I've told you this. We took our income tax, and we started paying towards that college debt. Now, how many of you, when your income tax comes in, the first thing you say is, hey, let's pay college debt? How many of you do not say that, 
right? You're like, you think of all the stuff you've been wanting all year that you've been working hard for, and you take that money and you just spend it. But you could use it to eliminate debt. So we did this for three years. We put it into to, to college debt, and we eliminated that. So then we had the privilege. We got a little bit older, got new jobs, making a little bit more money. And then we purchased a home. And we're like, okay, Lord, man, you know, which we got a foreclosed home. We put a lot of money into it. Well, you know, if you look at it now, it's beautiful compared to what it was. But we weren't interested in spending crazy, crazy money on a home. If that's what God's leading you to, hey, more power to you. But our goal was to be debt-free for a lifetime. Some of you are scratching your head. You're like, is that possible? I'm going to tell you it's possible. Okay, so we, we bought our home. We, we, now, we did everything. We put central air and heat. We, redid the, we did everything. Like every room has been worked on, needed to be. So we, we put that towards it. So we're getting close now to paying off our house. So same thing. We start taking our income tax, any extra money. We start dumping it towards the house, dumping it towards the house. But you got to realize there is no extra debt. There's no credit card debt. There's no, like, extra really it was just like we had our goal set, but we also had our goal set to pay off anything that we have debt. So I think we just kept paying on that, kept paying on that. And if you've ever wrote the last check on something like that, it's super fun. You know, then I'm like, man, I don't have to have insurance on my house. I can cancel it because it's my house now. I still have insurance on my house. That's the smart thing to do. I want, my, I want all my investment insured. My kids, if they play with matches and burn the house down, I want to be okay. I don't want to just... so. But it, it let me be in charge now. So let me fast forward now. There's a whole lot more details that you're like, man, you're making this sound really, it was hard work, right? Paid off the house, so then we were debt-free, and, you know, I was working at STP, and, you know, my heart has always said, Lord, help me to be debt-free, not because I'm on, I want to brag about it, but I want to be able to always say yes to anything you ask me to do. That was the motive. So even, you know, choosing to leave STP, working there for seven and a half years, choosing to pass, you know, I took a pay cut. But guess what? Financially, I could afford it. I had zero debt, right? I could take a significant pay cut, right? You know, so I'm not telling you this to be like, man, Pastor, you ain't making it. The church is blessing me. The church is taking care of me. But guess what? I'm still managing the money that I've always managed. My emergency savings has been there way before I started at harvest time. I had it set up when I was working at STP. You know what that emergency savings has been doing for the last 10 years? Absolutely nothing sitting in an account because it's there for just an emergency. But that, that, to me, shows me, man, thank God, because we've been able to do everything out of our savings savings. What are we talking about, Pastor? You got two savings? Yeah, once that emergency savings is set, because I don't stop saving in an emergency. Once I fill up that emergency savings bucket, well, then that might still have a 10% savings. Now I put that into savings or offering or giving something extra. You just keep doing that, all right? So we realize that, Staying out of debt has been one of the biggest things that have blessed Becky and I. So um, as the story goes, I purchased a truck a year and a half ago. Uh, as of today, that truck is 100% paid for. So Pastor Noe, what kind of truck is an old junkie truck? No, this is a nice truck. It's a 2017 four-wheel drive, four-door, four-wheel drive. I don't know, it had 64,000 miles on it when I bought it. So let me, you know, I'm going to tell you the number, $30,000. Because I don't want you to feel like, man, you just talking about, you probably got a good deal. and No, we saved a lot to put a huge down payment. We worked really hard to pay it off. We were triple, quadrupling payments every single month. Paid it off in a year and a half. Well, how did you do that, Pastor Noe? That's crazy. Well, you remember when we got these good old stimmy checks? I don't know what you spent yours on, but I put it 
in the economy, and I helped myself stay out and get out of debt. So every one they gave me, I put towards that truck payment. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't even know what I did with mine. I know what I did with mine, and it allows me to be 100% debt-free today. So they helped me expedite that. I mean, they were throwing money at the government. I was like, all right, I guess the Lord wants me to pay my truck off. But I saw that as the provision of God to help me stay out of debt. Not like, oh, these dumb people keep sending me checks. I'm going to use it to do whatever I want. No, I had an agenda. I had a plan. I used that money. I didn't waste that money. If you could go back, and I'm not, I'm not telling you to hang your laundry out, were you a good steward of all of that stimulus money? What did you use it for? What did you waste it for? Some of you are like, I don't even know, Pastor. That's a problem. Think about it. That's money that we don't work Well, I mean, I guess say we don't work for it. I mean, somebody's working for it. Stay out of the politics of that. That's a dangerous slope. But it's good stewards of all of my increase. It's hard work. It's not fun. Man, I was thinking about all kinds of stuff. I was thinking every time we come across money, I think about one of them helix. I was like, I don't really need it. I can borrow either of these anytime I want. I ain't got to own it. All right? There is a way to get 100% out of debt. You have to count your cost. You have to think about it. You have to be intentional about it. Um, so how do we practically, man, I'm at an hour. I've got to shut this down. Um, how do we practically stay unified in our spending? So here's what you do, couples. Sit down together. Work out a budget. You say, Pastor, I don't even know what a budget is. Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, has all kinds of rules and tools for making a budget. But a budget is just a plan of how to spend your money or how much you have to spend. Um, agree, on, on, uh, agree to take a look at your month of expenses together. Be open and honest. Be brutally honest. Say, hey, you got your notepad, baby. I got mine. Don't leave nothing out. I ain't leaving nothing out of mine. And then at the end of the month, be willing to really look at it and say, Lord, if there's something on here that's a waste of something, if, if, if there's something here that is causing my hole in the bucket, help me realize that. But sit down together, uh, make a budget, and make a plan. So listen, when you make a budget, realize you set the rules. This is one thing that we learned. We had such a strict budget for a while, we loosened up. We added more fun money in that budget. You know why? Because paying off all this debt wasn't fun, and we were about to go insane. We were working so hard, and it's like, I got nothing to show for it. And in the meantime, it wasn't worth it. So we added a little bit to fund money, weekend money, date money, whatever it is. When you set the budget, you establish the budget, but then live by the budget. You set the rules. You're like, well, I need more spending money. Okay, well, what are you going to spend it on? Well, I don't know. That don't count. you got to figure out where you're going to spend it. But whenever you establish that budget, now stick to the budget. Shake hands on it, kiss on it, whatever you got to do, but stick to the budget. Now, at the end of that month, you can revise the budget. But let the budget be the tool that sets you up for success. That's the bumpers. That's the safeguards. That's saying, okay, hey, we only got this much. We can only do this much with it and, and make it work. All right? Once the budget is established, agree on it and remember to stick to the plan. Now, I know this is old school and we're all kinds of debit, credit card, Apple Pay, all of these different ways of paying. Hey, the old tried and true envelope system never lies. You got a thousand bucks for something, you put a thousand bucks in that envelope. When that thousand bucks is gone, guess what? You ain't got a thousand bucks no more. Right? You you put it in an envelope, so say, hey, we got this much and let's split it up. We got this much for food, this much for bills, this much for, you know, house payment, this much for fun money, this much for my helix. Just playing. My wife ain't gonna give me no helix envelope. 
Like, if I'm trying to get out of debt, that is not one of my envelopes. But let me tell you what, guys. Becky and I, we are at a place now. We could have a Helix envelope. We could have a vacation envelope. We could have the dreams envelope. Because we're at this place where we just don't have a bunch of debt. We don't have a bunch of bills. We don't, you know, there, there's a lot of things. Was it hard? Yes. Was it fun? No. But putting in the work can could put you in a place of where it's just like, man, I, just, I don't worry about catastrophic things because we got money in the bank to, in case it's a rainy day fund. If I totaled my truck, I'd go buy a $5,000 one tomorrow. It'd be okay. I got an emergency fund. Totaling a car, that would constitute emergency fund. Major medical deductible, that would be an emergency fund. Your house gets blowed over, your deductible, that comes for your emergency. So, yes, those would constitute. So, but be clear, be very, very clear about what is an emergency and what's not. You got me? Well, honey, this new gun, it's an emergency. It's going to keep me safe. No, it's not. <laughs> Determine before you touch anything in an emergency fund what it is and what it isn't. Be super strict with that. Out of sight, out of mind. Don't keep it in the account. Move it far from your account. Okay? All right. So six ways to break free in your finances. I'm going to just give you six things really quick. If you're like, man, you've been overloading me, Pastor. No, I don't know what to do. I'm going to give you six things that if you will apply, it will radically change your life. It will change your finances. It will bring you to the next financial level. So number one, follow the principle of give, save, and spend. In that order, in that way, every single time you get paid. Give, save, and spend. All right, number two, make a budget if you've never done it. Like I said, Dave Ramsey, Financial Freedom, it's a great resource. Make a budget. Is there anyone in here who has never made a budget? Like never? I got a few hands. Hey, hey, you got to do it. Like if you want your finances to go to the next level and you really want to utilize in an in a, in a excessive awesome, you got to do it. Man, there's some of you, if, if some raise your hands, there's some of you who are too ashamed to raise your hand, but you got to make a budget, all right? So make a budget. If you have more questions about how to do that, let me know. But that, like I said, Dave Ramsey has tons of resources available. Uh, number three, become united in your financial goals. So same goals, same account, same discipline. If, you, if it's real tight, if the chain's tight on you, it needs to be tight on your spouse. If it's real loose, it needs to be real loose on your spouse too. None of this whole like double standard. You both need to be carrying the weight or the leniency of whatever you put in place. Both of you play at the same level, okay? So make sure you're uniting your financial goals. Hey, this, is, this, one, this to me, it makes completely sense. It's super simple. We don't think about it. I want to make sure you hear this this morning. Number four, don't spend more than you make. Imagine that. But some of you don't know what you spend. You, you know what you make, but you don't know what you spend. You might be overspending every single month, and you don't even realize it. Because it just so happens that paycheck gets back in there real quick. But if you do this over the long haul, it will insure debt. You can't spend more than you make. Now, I know God is faithful, and he'll multiply resources. And I don't know how it works out. It seems like all the bills are always paid. But you need to look on paper. What came in, what went out. If what's going out is more than what came in, huh, equals debt. Equals a bad situation at some point. Now, there's going to be unexpected months where, yeah, it's going to be the de there's going to be a deficit there. But if you do that on a continual basis, that's a dangerous thing. So look at that. Don't spend more than you make. Uh, number five, submit all of your finances to God. Give God 100%, not just 10%. So ask God for wisdom in your spending. 
Get God involved in the equations. Tell him to help you. Say, Lord, show me what to do. Ask a friend. Uh, if you're asking somebody for help financially, make sure their finances are in really good shape. Don't ask your friend that like has three times the debt as you and say, hey, man, how do I help? can you help me manage these? Yeah, bro, I'll show you. Don't do that. Model somebody whose financial position is really good. Okay? Uh, lastly, work hard and stay disciplined. That is the name of the game. That's what makes all the difference. Proverbs 24, 33 through 34 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit. To accrue good financial wealth, you can't be lazy. Man, I thank God for government assistance. I thank God for unemployment. That is not God's best. Thank God for it when we need it. But to stay right there and say, well, you know, I qualified. Okay. But you're limiting. I've never understood it. I watched a radio program one time. A lady was talking about sucking the system. Oh, well, they don't understand. They give me a free chance. Man, but it's so much less than she could really make if she applied herself. But it was just a mindset. And then I'm like, you know, you're taking my tax dollars and you're using it. Yeah, yeah, some of y'all understand that. Man, if you need it, great. You qualify for it, great. But trust God in the equation also. Don't just rely on a government bailout system. Plan for a bailout system, which is a savings, which is a plan, which is provision, all of these things. So what does that really mean? Do your part and let God do his. So when we see money as something that we are stewarding for God, uh, it really changes the way we spend it. We will more than likely spend it a little bit wiser. You know, I've really felt the weight of that pastor in this church because the finances of the church, I don't see them as, oh, Pastor Noe's finances. I see them as I take all of your giving and I'm responsible for God and this church of how we spend that money. Are we doing it wisely? Are we doing great with it? Are we managing it well? Like, man, I trim the fat all the time. They probably hate me in the finance department of our church. Like, hey, why do we spend that? Why are we spending that right there? Hey, like, can we do that cheaper? Somebody says, hey, I, I, I got a price on this. Well, did you cry, price compare to three other places? Well, I'll be back, Pastor Noe. They know that I'm going to ask them that. We're not just going to waste money because I believe that if we pinch pennies, we can spend millions. That's my mentality. I said, man, I, I, I pinch pennies to spend millions. We're super tight on where we need to be tight, where we need to, but I believe that it will provide us as a church to really meet every single need that we need to meet. So why does becoming financially well-off really matter, Pastor Noe? Because really it allows you to tap into the kingdom-building business. I want to encourage you also not to wait until you have all the money you feel you need to start investing in the kingdom work. Start now. So this is, this is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. So now what? We've talked about these three weeks of extravagant generosity. We've talked about the tithe. We've talked about uh, finance principles. But these are the last, three, the last four things I want you to think about. Commit to trust God with your finances. If, you, if you're a screen, if you, if you want to snap a shot, this is what you need to snap a shot of with your phone. If you want to remember, if you're taking notes, commit and trust God with your finances. Secondly, find one thing you can work on to get your finances on track. I'm not telling you, say, hey, take all of these things and you know, do a complete financial overhaul, but find one thing you can apply and do it. Number three, pray about tithing. 
I'm not telling you to tithe. I want you to hear God if you're to tithe or not. I want you to pray about it. Say, Lord, is this something that you want me to do? Is this something you're asking me to do? Is this something you're commanding me to do? You need to work that out within yourself. I believe last week we gave you more than sufficient amount of scripture to come to your own decision on that. I'm not making you tithe. I want you to be obedient to God leading you to tithe. And number four, start being a kingdom builder now. Can you guys stand up with me and we'll get out of here. I often think that God wants to test our faith sometimes. When we don't have a lot, will we still be a part of God's kingdom investment? You know, there's times that we're diligent and we're smart and we have the finances because of discipline. Have you ever been in a situation where God just says, you know what? It's called sowing faith seed. <laughs> where you say, Lord, it is dude, faith seed. He can't feel right there. He's just playing. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, but that, that's, that's what it is that sometimes God just says, will you trust me when you have yet to see the provision? Will you trust me right where you're at? And then will you believe me to provide everything you have need of? I believe that God wants everyone to be in the kingdom builder business. I really believe that. But it requires you just trusting the Lord. It requires you to be diligent, to be faithful. And you got to put in the work. That's one thing about finances. Finances take work. <laughs> if you don't put in the work, they will work you over. Amen? you got to put in the work. But it's one of the greatest resources that God has given us. Man, it, it can be a great tool. But I hope that as you leave today, your mind is focused. Maybe you're all stressed out because Christmas is right around the corner. And you're like, Pastor Noah, you're talking about finances right now? I done broke the bank. I already used that credit card. What do I do? Ask God for help. We know Christmas comes every year, right? Wasn't a surprise. We just got to plan ahead. But we need to allow God into the equation and trust him to provide everything we have need of. I, I really don't want to rush super, super quick because I want God to just reassure you that it's going to be okay. It don't matter where in the world. Husbands, you might be stressed out this morning and say, Lord, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm providing for my family. I feel like I don't have enough, and I know what's in the bank, and I'm worried. Guess what? God's got it all under control. You know, sometimes it's at the very, very bottom where God leads us to the place of grabbing a hold of him so he can pick us up. But wherever you're at in your financial journey, I'm going to call it a journey because Pastor Noah has been through the journey of hills and valleys. wasn't always great. But in Jesus' name, it's going to be better than it will ever be. But I trust him when I have a lot. I trust him when there are seasons of lack. But my trust will always be in the Lord. That's the, that's the spiritual twist to it. You've got to have that in the equation. When you do algebra, and it's that secret, secret X, like when you say 2X plus 4. What the heck is the X? That's the God factor in the equation that just makes it work. I want you to be encouraged today. You got great potential ahead of you, but you got to do something. You got to put in the work. There, there, there had to have been something for everybody this morning. 
We covered way too many things for saying, oh, I didn't get nothing out of that, Pastor. You should have done better. I believe there's something you can do today. But I'm going to pray over you before you leave that you would have the peace of God's presence over your life even if your situation should not equal that and that you can trust the Lord. And and I'm going to believe that for this house and for our people and for this church that it will be a, a season of financial increase, not for our own good, but so that we might be very impactful to the kingdom of God. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning. Father, I pray this morning that uh, you would just release every financial blessing, all the financial provision uh, that you have available to you. Lord, I pray that today that we would have trust and confidence in you. Not Not even in our ability to work, Father, but that our hope and our trust would be in you. Lord, I pray that this year would be a year of increase. Father, I pray that there would just be a sense of your presence, a sense of your peace in the lives of all of your people here. Lord, I just uh, thank you that you care about finances. You You care about taking care of us. And Father, as you take care of us, Lord, I pray that we would take care of your business and your money and your resources. And, Father, that you would help us all to pass the test. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.